So let's start with fun stuff. My house is being remodeled right now. Woohoo! So this past Wednesday, about midday, I got a call from my son, who sounded agitated. Hey, Mom, can you come home? Why, I asked. He was quick to respond. The painters and the contractors are screaming at each other, and now the police are here. <laughs> oh, so well, yes, when the police are at my house, turns out I can come home from work. When I got to my house, I found the contractors in one area of the yard, the painters in another area, and the police marking the space between them. My son, God love him, had thrown all of them out of the house. In the midst of a giant yelling match over who was getting paid what and what needed to be done, the two white contractors had called the police on the two painters, both people of color who had incarceration records who themselves promptly called the police on the contractors. So it was just kind of a free-for-all. This was the mess that I walked into. So, welcome to a little tiny microcosm of our big combative world, right? Here were two sets of people having a disagreement. But rather than establishing some basic terms and coming to a reasonable solution, Everybody more or less threw their fists in the air, ready to duke it out, and retreating into I'm right, they're wrong mentality. And as so often happens, although there was some right and some wrong to be found on both sides, there was one side in the conflict that was more endangered by it. Right? So we see this kind of combativeness and its problematic aftermath in the individual shouting matches, in the way our society seems to be splitting in two, and in wars and rumors of wars that are taking place everywhere in our newspapers and in our television screens, everywhere right now. Fear and anxiety, they run rampant. Lots of people seem to be out to protect their own and forget the rest, or to belittle and deride the rest, or even to spew hatred on the rest. In many of these clashes, from the individual to the national, both sides fall into the same trap of seeing the other as enemy rather than dialogue partner as needing to be tamed and controlled rather than heard and respected. Now, this is not to say that fault or blame is necessarily equally merited in all these conflicts. I mean, I am not about to say that Russia and Ukraine are equally at fault for what's going on in Ukraine, right? But right now, I'm not talking about who's right or who's wrong and all this combativeness that we're finding in our world. I'm just pointing a finger at the combativeness itself. To the distrust that makes so many of us want to strike out in ways large and small at all those on the other side, whatever other side we're talking about. And I'm pointing to the fear that runs lower to the ground 
that thrums through our cities and towns. Fear of what is and what is to come. Fear of those around us and those far away. Fear of too much and too little. As we read about hateful actions and see bombs falling somewhere and learn more and more about dangers to our society and our world, anxiety and dread just seem to flow through the very air. So let me pause for a moment and ask you, as I'm talking about fear and anxiety, can you feel your body curling inward? When I talk about combativeness in society, do your shoulders hunch up around your ears? And as you think about that me and mine mentality, does everything in you start to feel just tight? Let's take a deep breath together. In and out. In and out. I invite you to bring your attention to your neck and shoulder area to see if there's any tension right there. Breathe in and out and see if you're holding some part of you tightly. See if you can allow yourself to relax. Allow yourself to be in safe space right here, even as we talk about difficult things. Breathe in and breathe out. Okay. How many of you felt some small release right there? Just a little bit. That was fear and anxiety letting go, even just a tiny bit of it. And it's fear and anxiety that pushes and creates all this combativeness, just as it was created by it. It's this deep, vicious cycle, right? And we all get trapped in it. So there are those who push this cycle, those who profit off it in multitudes of ways. There are politicians and pundits and journalists. There are marketing specialists and propagandists. There are people on Facebook and Instagram making posts that push things along. There are people at your work, people at your kid's school who just seem to thrive on it. You don't have to try hard. It's like it's in the air we breathe. But let's each of us stop and ask, do I get something out of this cycle or do I just get trapped within it? Does it make me happier? Does it help me live better? Does it help me hold on to the good that I see in humanity? Does it help me maintain my connection with divinity? And if it doesn't do any of these things, then how do I make my way out of this cycle of fear and anxiety? Opt out of the combativeness. 
and live and act from within my own values, our shared values? Well, the answer, of course, is love, right? The answer is always love. Love is not only the antidote to fear, it is the only thing there is other than fear. We're always, always acting from either fear or love, especially in the ways we treat each other. We can give a thousand different names to our feelings, our beliefs, and to the actions we take based on those feelings and beliefs. But when we cut to the heart of the matter, it all comes back to fear and love. Are we looking with eyes of compassion at this other person, this other group? Or do we fear that by their words and their actions or their very presence in the world, they're going to take something away from us, destroy something that matters to us? Now, maybe we have good reason to fear. The people in Ukraine have very good reason to fear Russian soldiers right now. Black and brown people in this country have reason to fear the power wielded by white people because that power has so often been wielded against them. I'm not asking whether or not we have reasons for our fears and our anxieties. I'm asking how we move forward when we feel the fear and anxiety. So maybe you hope you can get out of the fear and just stay in the love. Well, here's the hard answer. You can't, right? Unless you and your meditation app have reservations at some Himalayan mountaintop that I don't know about, then you're going to have to deal with the world as it is, with all of its beauty and wonder, with all of its ugliness and uncertainty, with all of its destruction and terror. That means you're going to have to experience fear and anxiety you can't get away with not doing that. So if we can't all keep fear and anxiety and combativeness completely at bay, what we can do is keep turning back to love over and over and over. Every time the anxiety seems like it's going to overwhelm us, we stop. We breathe, we recenter in love, and we start moving forward again. Every time we think that society is going to drown in hate, we stop, we breathe, we recenter in love, and we start moving forward again. Every time we think that our world is on the brink of a colossal war, we stop, we breathe, we recenter in love, and we start moving forward again. 
And every time we take that conscious breath, every time we recenter in love, every time we start moving forward with peaceful rather than fearful intention, we remake the world ever so slightly, perhaps. But we remake a space of fear into a space of love. Just try and tell me that's not what the world needs right now. Little bits and little bits and little bits more spaces of love. So let's talk about some of the ways we can recenter in love when things feel scary and overwhelming. The first is easy to say, but sometimes really hard to do. And that's to go back to our first principle, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We all agree in principle that everyone has worth and dignity. But what about in practice? Does that mean, for instance, that ex-presidents who promote lies about elections, that that person has inherent worth and dignity? What about world leaders who start wars? What about that person who made a seriously off-color comment in a fight with your family member? Or the guy who cut you off and almost started an accident while you were driving on the freeway? What about that person who's headed to prison for a sex crime or somebody who hurt a child? Do these people have inherent worth and dignity? Because if any of them don't, then that first principle is sure looking crumbly. Recognizing that these and all people have inherent worth and dignity is one way that we recenter ourselves in love. One way we ground ourselves when we start to feel lost in fear and hopelessness. So right now, I invite you to take a breath. You might want to close your eyes. Bring to mind somebody whom you have thought of or spoken of in negative or harmful ways. Do you have that person in mind? Now I invite you to surround, surround that person in the warm light of God's love or sacred compassion. Let's send meta energy to this person. May this person be filled with loving kindness. May this person be well. May this person be peaceful and at ease. May this person be whole. And let us release this person to the universe. With that small action of returning to the first principle, we recenter in love. Another way we can recenter in love is to come back to the present. 
Most of the time when we're caught up in the fear and the anxiety, we're getting lost either in the past or in the future. We know from all of the pains of the past how real they were, and we know how large they can loom in our present. They can get larger than ever, right? And when we talk about our combative world, we might as well just post a big old here there be dragon sign, right? As we start thinking about the future. So listen to news about climate change or legislative action against LGBTQ plus people and all of these other things that take up space in our brains and we can just live through apocalypse after apocalypse right there in our own minds, right? For ourselves and for others and for our world as a whole. And when it comes right down to it, nothing in this riot of fear actually helps. What does help is to live in the present, see it for what it is, rather than what we wish or fear it might be and work steadily toward the future that we want and hope and need it to be. So let's take a moment to practice living in the present. One way of coming back to the present is to engage our senses. So we're going to engage our hearing right now. I invite you to take a few breaths. Breathe in. Breathe out, and then listen as closely as you can to what sounds farthest away from you. And now listen as closely as you can to what is closest to you. Did you hear the air conditioner, a car moving, your neighbor breathing, paper rustling? With this small action of living in the present, we recenter in love. Now, sometimes we feel angry and helpless frustrated about things that are happening in the wider world. One of the ways we can recenter in love is letting go of what we can't do and recognizing what we can do. This clarity allows us to free ourselves from anxiety of helplessness and turn our energy toward what is within our ability. For instance, maybe I feel angry and frustrated that a U.S. House representative 
was disruptive during a State of the Union address and spoke at a rally led by a known white supremacist, right? But instead of staying stuck in anger and anxiety at this person, I can acknowledge that I have no control over what that representative does and that worrying is not going to change that, right? And then I turn to what I can do. I can send money to the representative's opponent in the next primary. I can educate myself and others about the corrosiveness of white supremacy. I can participate in and support projects working on returning society to civil discourse. There are just lots and lots of things that I can do, that we can do. We simply have to acknowledge what we can't do, lay it aside, and then turn our attention to what is doable. So now I invite you to think of a situation in the wider society that brings on feelings of helplessness or anxiety or anger. And sit with that emotion for just a moment. Breathe in, breathe out, and allow yourself to be all right in a space where anxiety is present. Think about one thing, one feeling you can do to free yourself from feeling like you must do something in this situation. Maybe you feel like you're supposed to feel a certain way. Maybe you can set that feeling aside. Name one feeling that you can set aside clearly. Breathe in, breathe out. Now think about one thing that you can do that will bring more peace, more love, more knowledge, more hope around this situation. Just one thing. Acknowledge to yourself that you have the power to do this. Breathe in. Breathe out. With this small act of empowering ourselves in the midst of chaos, we recenter in love. So here we have it, returning to our first principle, coming back to the present, acknowledging what we can't do, and empowering ourselves to do what we can. These aren't large things, they're not hard things, and they're not things that are going to radically alter the world around us. But they will recenter us if we allow ourselves to be recentered. They will remind us of our grounding in what is good, what is holy, however we define that. They will help us stay with our knowledge of the truth of love 
while we walk in a world that shines a light on fear. And they will help us shine our own light for others to see so that they too can breathe and recenter and start moving forward again. I invite you to try all of these practices and a hundred others that you can come up with so that we can be beacons of peace and love in times of fear and combativeness. This is our power. We can help each other breathe as we find the next right thing to do rather than the next reactive thing to do. So remember me telling you about that microcosm of combativeness that I found in my yard when I came home with the painters on one side and the contractors on the other and police keeping everybody in their corners? It sure would have felt good to walk in and fire everybody and yell at the police to get out and settle down inside my house for a good long, can you believe these people pity party, right? I could have joined in the general, they're right, I'm wrong, wait, other way around, they're wrong, I'm right mentality, right? And there was a kind of a good case to be made for that. But I'm a minister, I at least try to practice what I preach, doesn't always work, but I try. So I listened as the police filled me in. I listened to the concerns of the contractors. I listened to the concerns of the painters. I reminded all sides of the inherent worth and dignity of everyone concerned. And in the end, we all got a peaceful resolution. I remained centered in love and a tense situation got a little better. Now, I'm not saying that these two groups left with big hugs and promises of a picnic in the park, but we could all breathe. And for that moment, that was good enough. Namaste and amen. <laughs>